Welcome to this week's episode of Game Devs Quest, your once weekly podcast following two game dev scrubs and a game devdom. If we can do it, you can too. I'm Rhett. I'm Taylor. And this week we're joined by our first artist guest. Uh, he goes by the name Benjamin Basic. Uh, he is the founder of Trenion Games, currently working on releasing Neon Town on Steam, right? Yeah, uh, we should be on Steam on October 30th. We're really excited Excellent, about man. That. That's right around the corner. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's about time. We've uh, been working on it for the last nearly four years, and I'm just glad there's finally a finish line in sight. Uh, working <laughs> on, yeah, I've been working on this thing for a long time, so I'm just glad to finally get it out there and have people play it and see what they think about it. I'm really stoked to show everyone what we've been working so hard on. Cool. Cool, man. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Tell us a little bit about your studio, and I mean, if you want to, like, just dive right into the game and tell us a little bit about uh, Neon Town. Uh, sure. Yeah. Well, as far as I'm concerned, uh, I started out as an animator when I was ten years old. Actually, I kind of just did like those pivot stick figure animations that you guys might be familiar with if you're like back on internet forums in like 2006 or whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I did that for a long time, eventually moved over to Flash and have just kind of made that my home ever since uh, for the last like, what, 10 or so years. Uh, so I've, I'm primarily an animator, but recently, like a, a couple years ago, I was able to get the opportunity to make my own full-fledged game. And that's what I've been doing for the last four years with a very talented team of folks. Um, we've been working on it ever since I think I was like 19 or 20 and I'm 23 now. So almost four years, uh, neon town, uh, is the game. And in terms of what it's all about, basically it's like a top down boss rush game. It's, uh, when I was originally designing it, I fell into that game dev trap where you're just kind of like thinking of every possible feature you could want, like, oh, RPG, <laughs> open world, this and that. And eventually I just kind of got to a point of like, okay, I want this out within the next like 20 years. So let me kind of, <laughs> yeah, let me kind of shave it down a bit. And when I thought about what I wanted the game to be uh, like to be the most, I realized that like that feeling you got as a kid when you like worked really hard on a boss fight and you finally beat it and just like that, like that really satisfying feeling. I really wanted to emulate that, so I figured it would be best to just cut the game to its core of being just about difficult, challenging boss battles, and that's what we've been doing for the last three and a half years. So I'm really excited to have everyone try all that out, see how difficult the game can be, and uh, also see our really good lighting visuals. We've been working really hard on making like a very intricate shading system and really focusing on the lighting because i mean with a title like neon town it kind of would be a little weird if our lighting was really bad <laughs> so <laughs> yeah we gotta really we gotta really put a focus on that so uh you know the game comes with about 12 13 bosses that you can fight around 14 weapons you can upgrade uh, a bunch of like powers that you can use like freezing enemies or like uh like getting infinite stamina for short periods of time like just stuff to help you out um and as you fight the bosses you earn different rewards like say for example for some bosses when you beat them you get the weapons they use or like certain abilities that they use against you you now can use that against other bosses or even themselves and like a playthrough plus option so we're hoping to to have like a lot on offer for the game itself uh it'd be like $15 on launch so they're, you know, we, we're trying to make it affordable for everyone, trying to make it so like, when I was thinking about pricing the game, I realized, okay, like, what's the absolute most I would spend on a game I don't know that much about? And $15 seemed like the safe price. So I figured, <laughs> yeah, it'd be a good price yeah. for it. But yeah, that's, cool, that's the game. Yeah, game looks really great. And that's uh, that's the first thing I really noticed was like how it looks, the visual effects too. Like you're saying, oh, it looks so good. And like just the pinned tweet that you have right now with the 
the character like walking up this giant staircase. Uh, like, oh, it yeah. looks epic, man. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, the uh, for the staircase itself in particular, uh, we had. Well, basically, I assist with backgrounds to kind of finalize them, but the main background artist uh, is a guy named Gerardo. Uh, he goes by Navarki on Twitter. He's like a Newgrounds artist. F- funny enough, actually, when I was looking for background artists, uh, I was talking to the game's writer slash voice director, uh, Max, who some people might know as like a Sobro No 3 on YouTube. Um, I approached him just to see if he knew anyone, and when he asked for example images of the types of backgrounds I was looking for, uh, when I sent him the images, he told me that th- he literally knew the guy who made those and that he's had him <laughs> sleep at his house before. <laughs> so, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I basically just directly got a contact with him and he was able to make some really great cinematic backgrounds for us. Um, so big props to him. Um, really, man, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, really, it's a really small world when it comes to when it comes to stuff like this. And uh, thanks to Max, there's actually a lot of people on the team that wouldn't be there uh, without him. Say, for example, our amazing voice actors—they're uh, all uh, people that were hired from him. Uh, there are people that he's known and worked with for the last—I don't even know how many years. Like on his YouTube channel and on other professional projects, and they're a real great group of guys, so big props to them. Um, I really appreciate all the work that they've been able to do on the game because, I mean, honestly, I don't even want to picture the game without the work that Max and all the voice actors have put into it. It's really made it, it like a big part of what makes it what it is today, so I really appreciate the work that they put in. Yeah, man, you could tell, because, I mean, most of the, the game devs we talk about are like solo studios, uh, you could tell, like the production is on a on a grander scale just by watching like your your video that you have on your website. So oh, thank you. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. Basically, the sort of like the goal, like the mission statement for the game, is to try to have something that emulated a AAA game in terms of format and like sort of production value. Uh, so say for example, you play something like Kingdom Hearts. You know, you get like a whole you get a whole character upgrade system with weapons you can select between you get cutscenes like before bosses to help emphasize their importance kind of like as a reward system after you beat them as well you know you have like all these things in place that kind of makes it feel like a full-fledged product and i wanted to make sure we could do that for like a cheap price because like I know it's understandable and it's completely fair for a lot of indie devs to charge prices of like 20, 30, maybe even higher than that for some of their games, depending on the quality. But I wanted to kind of make my own version of a AAA game, but on a much smaller scale. And I feel like we've we've kind of gone and done that pretty well, at least hopefully. Fingers crossed. You know, I have no <laughs> idea what anyone will think when it comes out, but at least in my opinion, it's pretty okay. So... <laughs> Yeah. So, well, speaking of that, uh, have you guys done any kind of playtesting or or what's your uh, strategy in that aspect? Uh, It's mostly been internal at the moment. It's mostly been me, a few friends, uh, the programmer Tanzel and a few of his friends. But uh, once October begins, we're going to be doing a more broad internal testing where everyone that was involved in the production, whether it be an artist that was on contract or a voice actor or anyone that was involved, they're going to be getting their own beta copy to try to test it out, see, you know, what needs to be worked out, any visual bugs, anything like that that needs to be fixed. And then uh, hopefully within that time period, we'll have everything all nice and wrapped up and polished uh, before the October 30th release. Nice. Are you guys doing early access or anything like that? Uh, no, that was another mission statement for the company was that while I can understand and respect many developers doing that for their games, that's just not something I'm interested in personally. I kind of believe in the idea mm-hmm. of releasing a game when it's done and not like more so just because like you only get to make a first impression once and I don't want my first impression yeah. to be like a half finished build. I want it to be like, hey, yeah, like I want it to be like, hey, this is a full game. You can play it, beat it from start to finish, 
and it feels good and it doesn't feel like there's missing textures or like mechanics or something like that um so while i can and, and honestly like there's been times where i've been working on this thing i've been like man if only i could just fucking make this early access and make it so much easier <laughs> but, yeah <laughs> <laughs> but like it, it, it's just like as a new studio with our first game coming out i feel like it's best not to start our impression with uh, with an early access game and rather something finished. So we're, we're trying to stick to that. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Not to say that we won't add content. I mean, there's there's stuff that we have planned that we can add in the future. But as far as the game is concerned, it will be a finished product on release. Nice. So is this what you're, uh, you're doing full time then? Oh, yeah. Um, basically, what was going on around the time of the game's like beginning is I was in college in a film course, uh, and I really didn't feel like it was suited for me. Um, not to say anything negative about the course itself, but um, there were some assignments that I was doing in the first term that were actually assignments I remember doing in my high school like computer technician class. Um, so it's kind of just like, yeah, like I'm sure it'll pick up later on, but do I really want to wait for that? And do I really want to spend many thousands of dollars a year to wait for that? Not really. Uh, so I kind of tried to see what I could do in terms of my luck with game development. And I was pitching this game around. I set up like a big bad business plan, all these assets these design documents together and i was able to find someone who was willing to fund the game uh so i do have an investor that is involved with the production and honestly without them this whole thing would not be possible because yeah yeah there's no way i can do all the things that are in this game like yeah. I, you know like i can animate i can draw i can i can do game design and stuff like that but when it comes to like anything audio related programming related i'm just i might as well be brain dead like i'm stupid <laughs> so yeah. yeah like without without his contribution and also the contribution of all the other really talented people that have been working on this game like it wouldn't be even half of what it is today so it's a very good thing i found an investor while i still could <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about how you how that whole investment process went? Because I think that's uh, seems like a pretty scary thing for a lot of people. Oh, it to is get someone to invest, and it still is a very scary thing. I go into every <laughs> meeting with like bullets sweating down my forehead. Like <laughs> it's it's very stressful, but it's sort of like a necessary. I don't want to say necessary evil because like it's done nothing but positive things for me, but it's necessary. Like, right. Yeah. There's a lot of stress associated with it and there's a lot of extra work that goes into it. But I mean, I wouldn't really want to have it any other way, at least for where I'm at right now, because I mean, they've been lenient compared to what most people would be like. I mean, you know, if you originally pitch something for eight months and it turns into three and a half years, most people are not cool with that. And thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, my dude is. So I'm happy about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, like for the most part, it's just, you know, working about like money and accounts and build like build deadlines and stuff like that. It's, I guess, probably similar to what you would deal with if you're working with a publisher. I wouldn't know because I haven't dealt with a publisher before, but I imagine it's fairly similar. Gotcha. So when you uh, were pitching the game, did you go to a bunch of people and, and pitch to them, or how were you successful in, in getting that investor? Uh, basically, I just emailed ev almost everyone I've ever worked with in any capacity before to see if the idea interested them. That was sort of my first like dive into that. Um. A, a, a bit for those unfamiliar with me, I do have a past history of working as an animator for places like Machinima um, and like other gaming YouTube channels. So uh, through that, I built up a fair amount of uh, 
like gaming media related connections and also connections with people that are just like in general advertising and whatnot. Um, and through those, I was able to get in contact with this guy and I was able to, you know, successfully email him a pitch. They wanted to have a call and the rest is history. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah, I'm very thankful for it. I think a lot of people like me especially if i wanted to try to secure funding somehow i would have no idea how to start so that's it's cool hearing how you got it oh it's definitely more luck than anything it, at least for me because like i just happen to have the right people at the right time um i, I was because like basically when i started this i was coming Basically, the main reason why I even started this is I was still working for Machinima at the time. We were actually about to launch a big project, something where they wanted us to be like almost akin to like a Rooster Teeth group for their channel. And on the day we were supposed to release our new video, that was when the Warner Brothers buyout got announced. And me, as well as, I don't know, like thousands of other people just found out they didn't have work anymore oh, uh damn. so after that i think i kind of came into the storm at the perfect time because all these people were trying to find new stuff to work on and to work and new people to work with and so during that storm i was emailing people and i guess just caught someone at the right time trying to transition projects gotcha well hey i mean it speaks to uh the importance of networking Oh yeah, a hundred percent. Like, <laughs> I, I like I, if that's if there's anything I've learned from this process, it's that ne networking is a hundred percent key. Like, you don't really get many places without it. Like, e even when it comes to marketing, for example, like, uh, like you'll see some people on Twitter where like they'll just post like a three-word tweet and it'll get like a thousand retweets or something, but. Like, <laughs> as I see many game devs doing, including myself, we'll post a lot of, like, stuff that we spend a lot of hours on, and sometimes it never picks up any traction. So it's really all in, like, who you know, who's checking you out. It's just all about getting the right eyes on you. Right. So going to your studio, are you, do you work from home? Well, in terms of my work on the game yeah i just work at my house um and for meetups with the investor though i had to go to their place or like whatever office building they happen to be at that day um everyone that's worked on the companies uh not on the company on the game uh has either been someone from like out of the country or there's someone that i knew or worked with that was local like say for example um the programmer Tanzel, he lives in Turkey. Um, I oh, wow. Yeah, I live in Canada. Um, my writer slash voice director, Max, and most of the voice actors live in America. Um, although some of the people that are local, like say, for example, our musician, Can, uh, he did the whole soundtrack and he lives like two streets down from me. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, so like <laughs> it's a mix of local meetups and and all that but it's mostly remote um just because everyone lives in so many different places some are living in the netherlands some are living you know who knows where <laughs> it's just kind of all yeah. over are are the people on your team are do you consider them like i mean are they like contractors or do you guys have like weekly meetups and you know organized structures to help you kind of uh hit deadlines and make progress that kind of thing it's a mix of both um so for people that are more just contract position where they just you know spend like a week or two and they have to get something done it's just straight up hey here's the work here's the deadline here's your references and assets or whatever if you need any help contact me but for the most part it can be pretty hands-off for those people um just just because you know for someone that I'm hiring to do something that I'm not skilled at, there's not many notes I can give that they just don't know how to do better than me already, you know? Like, that's part of right. why I'm contracting them. Uh, but yeah. but when it comes to, you know, say, for example, with Tanzel, the programmer, uh, you know, we're talking, like, every single day. 
going over notes, ideas, uh, changes in the build, just anything and everything. We're talking about it daily to try to get stuff done. And also, you know, uh, just kind of shooting the shit every now and again as well. It's it, it's like a mix of casual and business, uh, depending on who it is and what role they have, really. And like, since you're you're kind of the lead, right? Yeah, I'm uh, the director. I'm the lead on the project. So like, um, what are you doing, or like, what kind of responsibilities do you do you feel that others? wouldn't have necessarily like are you the only one who's dealing with like business decisions um or how does like the collaboration work between the lead and the like the rest of the team um in terms of business decisions like what to do with payments or what to do legally regarding things i'm not really involved with that that's the investor's side but when it comes okay. to making design documents for people, making work schedules, making any asset that someone needs to work with uh, or organizing something, I'm always doing that. Um, but on top of that, I'm also, you know, I'm doing lead animation. I'm doing a ton of artwork for the game. I'm doing game design, level design. Uh, you know, like I'm wearing many hats on the project itself. Um, thankfully I don't have to deal with too much on the business side of things, although that can be a blessing yeah. and a curse. Cause like, say for example, I want to hire someone that's really good. They still might get shot down from the investor because he is like the final, like the final step in that process of approval. So like it can it can be good and bad at the same time, but I'm just thankful that I'm not dealing with more than I already have to deal with. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cause there's some days where like I'll have to meet my own deadlines for animations have to get done or something, but I can't cause like maybe the sound guy needs like a bunch of documents or notes for something that they're stuck on working with, or like maybe I need to send like so like say for example, I was saying before the podcast started how I spent up till four a.m. last night just making weapon design documents for the programmer. <laughs> um, so sometimes you're not really able to get all of like your own work done that you have to delegate. But at the very least, like you know, every day I'm trying to get some work done for somebody so that they can do their work at the very least. Um, Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, I used to have to spend even more time doing certain aspects of the development of the game. Um, I, I don't know if you guys have to deal with sprite sheet rendering too much um, in your experience. Um, but since I animate everything in Adobe Animate, uh, formerly Flash, I have to render a sprite sheet of everything. And our old sprite sheet creating program was like it was not made for a professional level like yeah like it was not made for professional use in the sense of like you had to manually enter every single frame number so you couldn't be off and also had a bug where you had to enter an additional one or two frames of the frame number like to get it right or also wouldn't <laughs> render the whole thing it would only render one sprite sheet at the time so say if you have to render three weapons out each weapon has like 15 animations associated with it. That's like 45 times I have to close the program and reopen it <laughs> and manually edit. Yeah, like it was a nightmare. So Dang. thankfully, uh, I got my friend Amir, who's also actually working on our current uh, new version of the website, which isn't uh, posted yet, but probably will be by the time this airs, I'm guessing. Um, he was able to make us a new version of that sprite sheet engine, which allowed us to not only automatically have the frame numbers, but also to render all the sprite sheets in batches. So like nice. what used to take me literally 10 hours to render out animations with can now be accomplished in like 10 minutes. So <laughs> like, <laughs> thankfully I I've been able to cut down parts of the process in some areas. Although, you know, for the more, I suppose, creative focused ones like design documents or whatever, you know, I still have to spend hours on those, but at least some of the, yeah. yeah, at least some of the more like tedious things I can just kind of lay away to a script and just have it be done. <laughs> Dude, isn't that amazing how like <laughs> tools programming is just 
it's so like it just adds to the efficiency like crazy like that we listen a lot to and we just had them on our podcast actually uh coffee with butterscotch if you haven't listened to their podcast it's amazing but one of their guys is a dedicated web developer but also tools developer and he's like improved their efficiency with their art program like crazy so that's that's pretty awesome yeah tools are amazing in terms of getting stuff done faster like it's not even just that that i was able to use for speeding up other parts of the process but yeah like it's a lifesaver man like especially now that we're getting closer and closer to the deadline i really can't spend like 10 plus hours just entering in frame numbers so they can (laughs) like they can really come in handy like i'm so thankful to know people that are able to help me with that right that's awesome so you said you were using Flash, or I don't remember what you called the new version. But... It, the new version is Adobe Animate, but it's basically it's basically just a rebranding, so, sort of like how they used to have like Macromedia, and then they did like CS for their programs. Oh, you know? okay. So it's basically the same idea because they understand. I I think it's more so just because uh, they want it to be separate from the bad reputation that flash gets sometimes deservedly <laughs> yeah like i think the main reason they even rebranded actually is because they improved their brush tool phenomenally still not enough to compete with programs like toon boom or like tv paint but enough where people can be like yeah adobe animate the brush is usable now <laughs> like god <laughs> dude it, in previous versions of flash it was straight up unusable like Oh God, I, I have horror stories. Like I, I still have gifts on my computer where I was just so amazed that like you could try to draw a straight line in Flash and it'll turn to like this wacky shape because it can't process the vector. <laughs> like, oh my God, oh it's a nightmare. But thankfully, it's at least like okay. I, I know eventually I want to switch to something like a Toon Boom or like uh like a TV Paint in particular. But for now, Macromedia. Well, not Macromedia anymore. Adobe Animate is uh is where I'm sticking. It's what I know. Like I've been doing it since I was like yeah. 13. It's hard to really, you know, strive away from that, especially because like, admittedly, it's so much easier to use than Toon Boom or TV Paint. Um, the UI in Flash is really intuitive. It's a great learning program for people that are getting into animation. It's just that. Toon Boom and TV Paint are a lot more powerful in terms of what you can do with them. It's just they have a more traditional toolkit focused on them. So like going from digital to like a traditional focus sort of workspace is a nightmare to say the least. <laughs> uh, everything's so much more complicated compared to what it is in Flash. Although I'm sure some people that use those programs and be like, well, fuck you. Uh, Adobe animates like way worse and way more difficult. So who knows? It's just what I prefer. Yeah. I, I, I have to unlearn it, I guess, if I really want to get into those programs, which I will eventually. It's just, you can't really be learning entire new toolkits during crunch time, unfortunately. Yeah. As much as I well, like And to. you're getting good, uh, you know, like all your animations and stuff are looking good. So like, why change now yeah uh, thank you i appreciate that and uh, they are looking pretty all right in flash but just thinking about what i can do in something like toon boom with like like they have a whole different range of like effects that you can apply to your to your animations and they also have like a 3d workspace you can use which i'm also noticing even blender is adding in like a 2d animation tool with their 3d workspace oh really yeah like it's really cool like they're using something called like the grease pencil i think and there's some really beautiful stuff coming out of it um but that's something that flash is lacking is that like it sort of can do 3d workspaces but everything else does it much better so like you kind of just want to switch to those other programs (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's just the way it goes, though. So what game engine are you using, then? Uh, we're using Unity uh, in the 3... Like, the 3D version of Unity, um, even though it's a okay. 2D game. Uh, yeah. Forget exactly why we're doing that. I just remember it being easier for some reason. Um, like, way back, like, a couple years ago, in terms of why we were using it. 
Um, it's been a great engine. Like, I, it, it always kind of frustrates me when people that clearly don't develop games at all always give Unity shit. When, like, <laughs> like say for example, like I don't want to name the YouTubers or whatever, but like I'll watch like a review of theirs and they'll be like, "Well, it's made in Unity, so that tells you all you need to know." I'm just like, "Fuck off!" Like Unity is a great game yeah. engine. Like Hearthstone is made <laughs> in that. Like if it's good enough for <laughs> freaking Pillars of yeah, Eternity. Like, yeah. Like, if Unity. it's good enough for Blizzard and Obsidian games to use, I'm pretty sure it's a good engine. <laughs> like, yeah, like, guys, <laughs> like that's what I'm saying. Like, and these people will play Hearthstone too, and it's just really confusing. Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, wait, we talk about this sometimes. It's kind of like nerd culture where you're debating stuff that just doesn't even matter. Yeah. Like, it, the engine that you use if you make a game that's fun like why do you even care yeah like you can make good games yeah. in rpg maker like no one's stopping you you know it's it's yeah exactly it's all about the creator and while the engine can obviously limit you in certain ways i, I also find that limits can cause you to be more creative in a lot of circumstances like that's something totally. that's something that i notice in a lot of like television shows especially when you realize that they didn't really have much overhead you know, like, uh, say, for example, um, like you, you watch certain shows before they're on Netflix and then after they're on Netflix where like you can tell that they're a lot more lenient with the production, just kind of how yeah. it degrades a bit. You know, um, I noticed that at least for myself, like when you're kind of put under pressure or when you have limits to kind of focus your creativity around you end up making better content but obviously that's not for everyone but that's just something that i feel applies true to me at least and stuff that i've seen yeah well like we host a game jam every once in a while and i think that that's why game jams are really cool and productive for people is you're forced i mean you have a small time window and then there's always some sort of constraint involved and that ends up like boosting the creativity. Yeah, some of uh, the biggest and best games have come out of game game jam jam uh, development uh, periods. Like, say for example, Super Hot was originally a game jam game. I'm pretty certain. Oh, yeah, really? yeah. I remember. Oh, cool. I remember finding that out like a week ago. I saw like the Twitter account post about like their game jam build from like a long time ago or something and dude that'd be fun to look yeah, at yeah <laughs> i know right like just to see how it was made in like a week's time or something not even like it's it's yeah. great like that's that's what i'm saying though again is like when you put pressure on people it can make them create their best stuff and i feel like that can really apply to not only you know movies and tv but also game development um yeah, like I like for example, like I love Super Hot. I I swear by that game. It's super smart, super innovative. It's like whenever I have uh, friends of mine who aren't really familiar with maybe like the like the game centered uh, like media or just anything that's coming out recently, like a lot of them kind of play the same old same old and they get bored of it obviously and then when i show them something like super hot they're like dude who the fuck makes these games like these are amazing <laughs> and it's mostly yeah. coming out of the indie community like that's right. that's what i'm noticing is that like it's sort of this new age of uh like sort of like back during the ps2 era where like budgets were small enough yet big enough to create something large in scale but still smaller that can be risky with it like it's that kind mm -hmm. of thing with the indie scene now it's like our own sort of playstation 2 era where like all these amazing games that would have never existed otherwise on a triple a scale are thankfully getting created like say for example with stuff like uh kickstarter we're able to get like a new wasteland game and pillars of eternity like you guys yeah. mentioned before like games that like you know is ea gonna fund a new isometric rpg game that wasn't popular <laughs> since like the 90s probably not <laughs> like right. and it's great because wasteland 2 is one of my favorite all-time games and i even found out a while back that uh one of my voice actors was in that um oh yeah really? yeah oh, he, he, he oh, played awesome. one of the radio guys that was that, that plays when you're walking around like in the open desert or whatever yeah, cool. and it's funny because I never even noticed it until like he pointed it out, and now I hear it every single time. 
<laughs> That's yeah, funny. It's, it's great. <laughs> like, and, and I, I just love it, man. Like, this whole also supportive community behind indie games is fantastic because, like, personally, I'm too afraid to even try to make something like a Kickstarter, but it's great that there's so many people that will help fund a game and it can get made. And obviously, it doesn't work out every time because of you know shady developers or something like that but like when it works it works like you know yeah. like i play the hell out of pillars and without uh without a kickstarter would have just never been made yeah well that's something that kind of keeps us coming back like we have a pretty small community but it's super supportive and positive and you know most of my interactions with people like i was streaming on twitch pretty regularly for a while and that whole part of my life was just like super positive and getting to know other people learn from other developers it's it's really cool the indie community is pretty awesome yeah like that's something that i've been really thankful to learn as i've been developing this game is that people are really quick to help you out like uh say for example like i remember going to the fan expo in toronto like two years back to show off like a like an early build of the game just to try to build up some promo and a bunch of developers approached the booth and gave me like a lot of suggestions and ideas for the game design that i started incorporating immediately like stuff that like (laughs) i wish i could think of that like uh say for example uh uh, I forget his name, but there was like a former Grand Theft Auto Five developer that checked out uh, the build of the game at the Fan Expo and recommended that it was a bit hard to notice when the player ran out of stamina. So maybe have like a green little indicator show up when when the stamina is out, like on the cursor rather than like during the stamina bar. And just something small like that. I would have maybe never thought of that, but like it improves the experience so much and all because of people wanting to just help out and be supportive and just kind of collaborate with their ideas. You know, everyone's able to make something better and learn from each other. And I love that. And it even goes to the, uh, to like the consumer part of the community as well. People that aren't even game devs, like they'll give their suggestions on helping out. They'll give great feedback and, Honestly, their perspective can sometimes be even more important than a game dev's just because like I feel like game developers and people that don't develop games at all see games a fair bit differently and in a good way where, you know, a consumer might not notice something that someone that develops games won't like will notice on their own time. And it can really help having those two different perspectives, especially when it comes to trying to tutorialize and contextualize information. Um, I learned that. Yeah, totally. yeah, I learned that really, really hard at that fan expo. Like, just how much you really need to tutorialize stuff. Like, because <laughs> we didn't even have a tutorial at that point. We just had like a control screen. Like, hey, here's how like you do stuff. Um, and some of the people like after like twenty, thirty minutes, couldn't even beat the first level. <laughs> uh, so like. <laughs> You know, every day we would try to tutorialize it a bit more, contextualize the information, and like people are getting better and better at it. And that's why, that's why I feel like it's really important uh, to be doing testing for people that aren't developers as soon as possible. Because like, as soon as you can spot that stuff, it's like it's detrimental. Like it can make or break your game. And it's also helpful to see just how people play it. Like uh, when I presented at the Fan Expo. Uh, basically the player would start with a build of, uh, two weapons, uh, like a melee weapon of a mace and a gun weapon, which is just a revolver. And I noticed that while, while testing the game at the expo, no one played with the mace. It was always with the revolver. No one even bothered with the melee weapon. Uh, (laughs) so I, I was like, okay, well, how do I fix that? How do I make people want to use it more how do i make it more enticing rewarding to use the melee weapon you know like stuff like that it really goes to show that like you can spend all your time thinking oh this works in the way i have it in my head but as soon as you present in front of a player it's it all goes out the window so like yeah you really gotta (laughs) test as soon and as often as possible with that like like that demographic because otherwise like who knows who knows like how people will actually be playing things instead of like what you intended to be 
Yeah. That always happens when I have a build of my game and I have my wife or like my parents or somebody sit down and play it. They're like, hmm, uh, what do I yeah. do? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's like so heartbreaking sometimes. Like, you're like, damn it, I just spent like 200 hours on this thing and you don't even know how to yeah, move. <laughs> I know. Like, it's so tragic because you spend all this. Like, it's obviously because you have so much time and experience with that build. Like, you know the ins and outs of everything. But having that fresh perspective of someone that just got introduced to what they're playing, it really helps out. Like, it's yeah. it's necessary. You can't make something without that input. It's so important. Yeah. Well, I, it's super easy as a developer to, to, like, try and explain your way out of out of it you know like oh well i did that because of this you know so it, it all makes sense oh it, yeah but you can't do that yeah, I, you can't do that you gotta you gotta listen to their feedback and consider it the truth because that's how other players that are unfamiliar with it are going to perceive it yeah you know? i've gotten caught in that so it's, it's that hard balance i've got caught in that trap before as well where i'm just constantly trying to justify all my bad design choices be like oh yeah because of this because <laughs> of this but at the end of the day, you know, what feels best to people testing the game, it it really is for the best. You know, like say, for example, beforehand, uh, like years ago, I remember just to dodge in the game, like dodging is one of the main mechanics to avoid uh, to avoid damage from any of the bosses. Like you use it all the time. And before it used to take up like, over half of the whole stamina bar and you couldn't do it that often and i remember uh max when i sent him a build of the game uh he tested me he was like man just dodging is the best feeling thing in this game why like why does it take up so much stamina just make it like make it so you can do it more and and we tried that out just to see like if it really held water and yeah it felt so much better like we all, we felt like idiots <laughs> for having it be such a high stamina cost before because like you can even see in the new trailer uh, that that we released for the game like a couple of days ago like there's a clip in there where the player can do like a mini dash and they do it like six times in a row and just avoiding damage like that feels so satisfying that like. I can't believe I ever thought the game would be good without having that be one of the mechanics, you know, <laughs> like, 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 it's just, it works so well that like, like, you just feel like an idiot for not thinking of it yourself. And again, that goes to prove the point of just testing and having like other people's perspectives on your game. It always makes it better. It never makes it worse. At, at least I can't really think of any time and it's right. made mine worse in my experience. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's solid advice. Uh, you talked a little bit about games that you like playing. Uh, you said Wasteland 2. What What are you playing right now, and, and what are some of your favorite games uh, that inspired uh, uh, In terms of what I'm playing right now, I just recently picked up uh, Spider-Man on the PlayStation 4, although, yeah, oh, it's a so great good. game. I just <laughs> haven't been able to spend too much time on it because now that I'm in crunch time, anytime I play a game, I'm just like, dude, I need to be making my own game. What the fuck am I doing here? <laughs> like, it's so, it's like almost <laughs> like this impending doom of stress every time I try to play it. But uh, in terms of like a favorite game, though, uh, anyone that knows me already knows that I'm going to say Fallout New Vegas. It's my favorite game. Uh, nice. The only thing. It, it, it's interesting because like the only thing that sucks about that game is like the gameplay I, I hate to say it like that but it's true like it feels so clunky and like it's just out of date it's in a bad engine but like the game itself is fantastic I've I, I think I've played through that game like 30 times <laughs> like just it's like seeing different ways of interacting with characters or like role playing as different builds and stuff like I just really like those kinds of like all immersive RPG games where you can like build a character and really try to like ha go through the story as them. And I like ever since I beat that game for the first time, it's just been an immediate loop of like maybe I think the longest time I've gone without starting up a new playthrough of that game has been like three months. Like, and it's <laughs> yeah, like and it's been like that for years so like 
It really goes to show. Yeah, didn't that game come out like 2008? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So no. Uh, well, two, I think maybe like 2012. No, it was like 2010. Or, or oh, 2010 okay. or 20, 2012. It was like two years or like a year actually, I think, after Fallout 3 came out. Um, 2010. Yeah. 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 So it's. Yeah. I was going to say, because it was after. Yeah. Because it, it, uh, Fallout 3 came out in 2008 or nine. Yeah, it, it it was that was a great year for games actually. Whenever Fallout Three came out, like that was I think that was the same year like Call of Duty Four came out or something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, those yeah it was two thousand eight. So yeah, that was uh, there was a lot of good like the cutting edge of PC games was uh, was hopping. Oh yeah, I remember uh, actually that was the first time I ever tried to upgrade my computer was trying to i was like a dumb i think i was like 13 or something back then i don't know not in 2010 but like i was around that age and uh i remember thinking that if i tried to add more ram to my mom's laptop i could run fallout 3 better (laughs) 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 it was was, uh not too successful but i at least was able to run it at the lowest settings which was depressing that's all that matters yeah but like at least it could run it um i think that was around the same time that crisis came out as oh well. yeah I mean, yeah it was and i mean safe to say i couldn't even run that at like five frames a second dude no one could run crisis at the time it's no one can still run crisis yeah. i don't care it's amazing <laughs> to see just how far graphically games have gone since then because that used to be the wow can you play crisis and i'm just like yeah of course i can play I crisis it looks like a playstation 2 game like dude (laughs) yeah i remember walking through the foliage like just losing my mind because the leaves looked so real (laughs) no right like it's crazy how much it's improved since then it really goes to show like 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 that's why i feel like when it comes to games it's always best to try to keep keep your game sort of like in a more uh what's it called cell shaded style because it always stands the test of time far better than something that's trying to emulate realism uh right it might not apply so much now since things really can look photorealistic now but like when you compare games like uh twilight princess to like wind waker you kind of realize oh wait like wind waker looks way better and it was only like two or three years after twilight princess came out that i was feeling that way <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah like uh it holds up. Well, I think I think the graphics for Crisis hold up, but they are. Uh, yeah, I'm looking through images, and it still looks pretty good. Oh yeah, like it, it's, it's not, not. Oh no, Robot Man. <laughs> hey folks, sorry for the technical difficulties, but we're back. We sorted it all out. We were just talking about about VR and all the awesome ap- uh, applications. And uh, I don't know if you guys want to keep talking about that. We can keep talking about that, or. Uh, wherever you guys want to pick up from. Uh, I forget exactly where I would pick up from, considering uh, all my mic troubles. But what I remember talking about was just how I feel that VR is naturally going into like a huge boom. And all it really needs is for the price to drop down. And I feel like it's going to be ready to really hit the mainstream even more than it already has. Um, it has like a ton of uses that I feel like game developers and also just like big companies are going to start like really hammering in on. Like say, for example, I can already see it being used in schools for a lot of things. Uh, Like I'm already seeing like articles about how people are teaching stuff with VR and like considering it's so multi-purpose, it's kind of got nowhere to go but up and the price can obviously just keep getting more and more expensive but i feel like their main focus right now is trying to make it affordable so people that aren't like millionaires can actually afford a vibe or something like that like yeah that's probably where they're mainly going to try to break in um i'm really excited to see where it goes though and also really looking forward to hopefully seeing it get cheaper because until then i won't have one (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know it's gonna be a fair absolutely the I, I think that it, it's going to get smaller, it's going to get easier, and they're already coming up with ways to like free you up from as many of the cables as possible. You know, they've got built-in like battery packs now that you can like carry on. Or even God, who was it that created like the all-in-one VR unit where you wear the backpack that is like the computing unit? <laughs> it, I, it's a pretty cool stuff that, that they're trying to do. Amazing. And I, I don't know how much you've you've messed with VR, but it really is going to be, I think, the wave 
of the future and and there's going to be a place for like you know the the cat like the old school couch gaming thing that we've got uh you know with consoles and and desktop gaming and things like this but um but you know for like i was playing fallout 4 in vr and what always blew me away about that was you know here's a game totally created to be played one way and then when you put on vr of course it's the same game but there's so many subtle things that they've added like for example i was being attacked from behind and rather than turning and figuring out what's attacking me and shooting it i just pointed the gun behind me without even looking and just pulled the trigger a bunch and i turned around and i just you know shot a naked mole rat you know in the head or whatever (laughs) Without even having to look and and see it, which is just crazy. Yeah, it really changes how you play and even changes how you would interact with the world itself in minor ways that, like, you wouldn't really think about. But, like, once you're actually in it, like, it makes a whole world of difference. Like, while I wish I could play Fallout 4 in VR, uh, I've only ever really seen videos of it. And I see so many people just, like doing little silly things like say for example to like make someone drink out of a cup because you can manipulate any object with your <laughs> hands or like like you can like uh i forget what the video exactly was but someone's just messing around with like seeing uh the collision of weapons like on different uh sections of models and like it kind of adds like a whole new uh like level of interactivity with the NPCs as well, because, you know, instead of being in a dialogue scene where you kind of feel very, what's it called, tied down to a certain moveset, uh, you can just quickly aim your gun and shoot, and it's no big thing. Like, you can kind of interact more now that you have, like, a free, like, uh, free range of motion with your hands, and, like, I can only imagine just how that game would feel if you had like one of those like treadmill things where like it emulates <laughs> right. walking. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, dude, like I, f- I'm the kind of person where if I had that, I don't think I'd leave. Like, <laughs> like that game's dangerous for someone for someone like me. Like I'm already addicted to the Fallout games as it is, let alone having a VR headset, dude. Like that's dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it really is like a whole new rule set for the controls. Like I think a lot of people, well, especially first person games, if you sit someone down who's never played a first person shooter on a keyboard and mouse, and even that versus a controller, they're like completely different. And now like you strip that all away and it's just like, okay, you have the headset on your head. Look around. Now point your hand in that direction and pull the trigger. Like it's so natural compared to what we're used to that I think it's going to open up to a broader audience. And and once that price falls, like you said, it's going to it's going to blow up and everyone's going to have one and want one and you know, and it's not going to just be like hardcore gaming stuff. It's going to be, you know, like I was talking about the Oculus Goes, they have meditation apps, you know? Hook a 50 year old whatever person up up to a meditation app and then that boosts your productivity like everything's gonna be in vr it's gonna be crazy yeah like i I can already see it being used for a lot of really good uh like physical activity kind of kind of uh ways like say for example uh i remember nintendo really trying to go on the fitness stuff hard with like the Wii fit and like that like heartbeat sensor thing but like (laughs) VR seems like the natural way of having that sort of thing set up because like I remember like for one chance I was able to try out super hot actually in VR like at a PlayStation like VR booth thing and like you work up a bit of a sweat sometimes you know just like doing all that movement and you don't really notice it like you're not like oh yeah this is like a workout you're just kind of naturally having a workout from just playing a game and that's like the best setup for that type of system rather than being like oh hey uh play like a really slow ddr on your fitness pad or whatever the hell it was (laughs) yeah dude that was such a weird like like period of games is the whole we fit craze i remember some of my friends having it It was so weird yeah it's as it gets dated it looks more and more weird too (laughs) 
Man, I just find it funny how, like, in the Smash Brothers games, they have the Wii Fit trainer. Like, who who asked for that? <laughs> like, <laughs> dude, like, I don't know. That seemed like such a, like, a... It seemed like they just had to do a model swap or something. Just threw that in because, like, I can't think of anyone in Nintendo being like, yeah, you know who really wants... Like, like who really wants to... Like, who people really want to play as? They want to play as the Wii Fit girl. <laughs> like, yeah, right. I don't know. It's so bizarre. <laughs> Although uh, Smash Ultimate, dude, like that's fucking unbelievably like ambitious. I can't believe they're doing that still, having all the characters added in. I yeah, I haven't followed. What oh what is oh, that? Oh you haven't okay. Well basically for Smash Ultimate, their main thing is every character that's ever been a, in a Smash game is in this game plus more. So oh, there's geez. like a hundred plus fighters or something like that. It's like it's basically the director's way of saying, please never ask me for anything ever again. <laughs> like, you guys uh, wanted Snake in Smash again? Here he is. You wanted Isabel in Smash? Here she is. You wanted, I don't know, like <laughs> the radiation rod from The Simpsons in it? Here you go. <laughs> like, everything's in there. It's And it's cool too because even every stage is in there with variants of the stages. So like you can turn hazards off. You can like have it be an animated background or not, I think. Like, you can do all kinds of stuff in it now, and it's really impressive. Like, if there's one thing that would make me want to own a Switch, it's probably that game. But, yeah, like, it's looking Man. really cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I definitely want a Switch. I just am too much of a cheapskate to to buy a console at this point in my life. Oh, I don't blame I might you, later. It's especially bad here because of the prices like in Canada. They're always higher and they're taxed to shit too. So like sometimes, yeah, sometimes you'll buy a new game and it'll be over $100 like with tax afterwards. Oh, jeez. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah, I I can't even justify like a $30 game. (laughs) Exactly. You know, like I'm the same way. Like it's very rare where I'll buy a full price game here because I have to shell out so much money for it. Like I think the last time I bought a game like close to its release was probably Fallout 4 just because like I'm a huge fan of that franchise. Like I already know I'm going to play it. Like there's no way I'm not going to. So yeah. like I wanted well, to play it. Well, what about Spider-Man though? Oh, Spider-Man was a gift for me. So I Oh, play, oh. Yeah. <laughs> I was <laughs> thankful. Even better. Enough, yeah, I was thankful enough to receive that as a gift. Um so I I uh I don't count that under my uh, full price purchases, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like that's fair. Yeah, like thankfully, you know, every now and again, I can I can rely on like a gift or something. But for the most part, I don't buy games that are new and full price. Like only if I know for a fact I'm going to be playing that day one and probably not stopping. Like I might do that with Red Dead which might actually be a problem because that launches like four days before my game does. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do it. (laughs) Yeah, so I might have to hold off on that and uh, also pray to God that uh, some people cover the game after that one comes out because that's a big game to be following up on. Uh, I figure We figured for release we really wanted it to be like a Halloween release, but obviously couldn't do it on halloween because too many people are like out partying and stuff to really be focused on a game coming out so we did it on the day before and uh seems like uh red dead had similar ideas so hopefully that's not too big of an issue yeah the problem is though there's so many games coming out all the time that you can kind of strategize it but it seems like you're always gonna collide with somebody else so oh yeah like that's that's sort of what we realize is like no matter what time we release whether it be september october like anytime up until like i don't know like april or something like there's always like five huge games coming out like every month that people will be covering anyway and i figure with neon town like it's not really the same demographic as people that are going to be playing like a cowboy open world game so i feel like i might be safe uh yeah. the only problem it kind of gets gets in is uh will i be playing red dead <laughs> before my game comes out during crunch time <laughs> i have to see because <laughs> uh, i'm a big rock star guy yeah hopefully your investor's not listening 
Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> Fingers crossed. I swear I won't be playing Red Dead. I promise. <laughs> I don't even know what that, that game, game is. That game does look amazing. Oh yeah. yeah, I actually had the unfortunate uh, timing to release my game's new trailer on the same day they revealed their multiplayer details. Oh, so geez. any chance I had of getting covered by like uh, maybe like a bigger outlet was very quickly squandered. <laughs> Like, uh, within, like, two hours of that trailer dropping, it was, like, immediate red dead all over my timeline. <laughs> oh, no. But, you know, I mean, you can't compete with Rockstar. Like, they're a giant, like... Yeah. Like, damn, dude. Like, everyone's gonna be buying any game that they release. Like, it's always gonna be on the news or whatever. So, I mean, you just can't really, tr- like, focus too hard on it, I think. Yeah. Totally. Um... Well, we're getting pretty close to the end of our time here. Um, where so after launch, where do you see, uh, where do you see yourself? Like, assuming, you know, a little ways out after you've kind of squashed some of the reported bugs and all that, you know, customer support kind of stuff. What's kind of the next step for you? Uh, well, first step is, uh, to go on a beach and sip some pina coladas or something. I need a vacation <laughs> hard. Uh, yeah, like, <laughs> god damn, I need one. So, uh, hopefully if the game, uh, you know, makes its money back and all the stuff we need, yeah, I'll go on a vacation, take a little break. Uh, but, uh, after that, uh, we'd be planning on releasing more content for the game. Um... I don't want to give too many details quite yet, but they'd be quite expansive. Uh, as long as the game, you know, breaks even, we're going to be able to keep releasing more content for it, you know, add more weapons, maybe add some more bosses. Uh, we're also planning on adding in, like, extra game modes. Uh, we're already working on, like, adding, like, you know, speedrunning modes and stuff like that. But after launch, uh, we're going to get a lot more focused on that um like trying to make content that people can play regardless of their story progress like challenge modes and stuff um there is a big thing that we want to add after the game but i don't want to give any details on that quite yet i kind of want it to be a surprise um it likely wouldn't be for like at least like two or three months after the game's out but if we can if we can do it um I think it'd be huge. I I, I don't want to spoil anything though. Like it's <laughs> it's very early in the works this feature, so I don't want to be, you know, like I don't want to be spreading information that might not be the full like uh, details <laughs> of it, right? So sure. <laughs> yeah, but but we do have plans. We, we're the kind of like people that want to make it so uh, the game still has a life after its release. We don't want to just drop it and act like it never happened you know we want to keep updating it fixing it that kind of stuff yeah cool man well hey uh if there's anything we can do to help support you we i mean we have a small community but if you want to plug let us know and we're happy to try and help you out yeah absolutely when we get when we get uh closer to your launch date you know make sure you uh reach out to us and we can uh make sure we shout it out on the podcast and help uh help spread some links and things like that so yeah, thanks, Speaking guys. of which, yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thanks for being on. Uh, I was just going to say, if you have any links, um, shout-outs you want to give out now. Yeah, social time. media plugs or anything like that, now's your chance. Uh, yeah. Well, if any of you are interested in following Neon Town, the best place to do that is on my Twitter account. Uh, it's just my name, Ben Basic. Uh, we're always working on the game every day, so... Typically, I try to post as often as I can, like whether it be like small little updates to our lighting or maybe when we finish up certain areas, I'm usually posting GIFs of how those things are looking. Um, Right now, it's mostly like it's mostly my account that's posting updates for the game. Uh, The Trenion Twitter account exists, but it's not like it's mostly for bigger announcements so it is just best just to check my account out for the updates um if any of you are interested in neon town we do have a new trailer that came out i suppose when this releases just like a week ago uh it reveals like a lot of the gameplay if those are if you guys are interested uh 
We were happy enough to have a release date finally at the end of it, so October 30th for those that want to pick it up. Uh, we're going to be having a Steam page set up soon, hopefully by the time this is out as well. Uh, right now we're just waiting on our tax form approval, so hopefully you guys can have a link to that to check out the Steam page if you have any more information that you're looking for. Uh, as far as a shout-out is concerned, uh, I want to just shout out uh, my programmer Tanzel for working so hard and long with me on this thing. Uh, regarding the entire process of the game development, he's been on since almost day one. He's been sticking around the longest, you know, as the lead programmer. I mean, there's not exactly, you know, much that can be done about that. He can't exactly just ditch, <laughs> you know, he's uh, involved <laughs> in the whole process. So thanks for sticking with it through me. Uh, Sticking through it with me, I mean. Uh, it's been a long three and a half years, but hopefully we can make everybody proud and give everyone a game that they, they can dig. We've been working real hard on it, so fingers crossed that everyone likes it, everyone checks it out, and as long as the game does well, we can keep making more, and that'd be a dream come true, honestly. Yeah, man. Well, we wish you all the best. And Thank I you really so appreciate much. You. Yeah, appreciate you spending the time with us, man. Good, yeah, good any time. Yeah, it was good talking to you guys, too. I really appreciated this chance to be on the podcast. I always love coming on these things. It's always great just shooting the show with people. So anytime you guys want to have me on again or anything like that in the future, I'm always down. Totally. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, always, I'm always glad to talk, guys. So whenever you guys want to again, just hit me up. I'm always game. Absolutely. Yeah, man, we'll have to have you on sometime after the game releases and... Uh... And talk about how it's how it's going, things you learn. We'll do like a little post mortem type thing. Sounds good. That podcast will either be really optimistic or soul crushingly devastating. <laughs> I, guess, I guess we'll have to find out. Tune in next like, time. Tune in next time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Uh, cool. Cool. Wrap awesome. it up, Brett. Thanks, Matt. Yeah. Hey, thanks again so much for sticking with us, listeners. Um, make sure that you check out all of the the social media that uh, Ben over here just dropped. Uh, make sure you stay posted on our Twitter or his for uh, news as we near uh, the release of Neon Town. Going to be out on Steam. And uh, and if you guys want to join our Discord and, and chat with us, ask us questions, things like that, you can do so. The link uh, is bit.ly forward slash GDQ Discord. If you guys want to hit us up on Twitter, uh, you can do that. We are at GameDevsQuest. You can email us, gdq at airpodcast.com. And if you're so inclined to financially support us, you can do so while supporting yourself with awesome Humble Bundle deals, whether it's on the Humble Store, the Humble Monthly uh, subscription package, or one of the many cool curated bundles that they eke out. Uh, you can use our link, buy whatever you want, and a little bit of that money goes into our pockets to help keep the lights on and uh, help keep hosting this so we can keep having great guests like Ben uh, back on to talk about their projects. Uh, the link for that, of course, is bit.ly forward slash gdq hyphen humble. Uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everybody. Have a good week. Cue that music. Bam.